All right, well, it's been fun being your pastor, so. Since that is, uh, I'm not, yeah, that's not going to happen. No, that's not going to happen either. Although we may have somebody removed for that little dance, but we'll see. As you see up here, we have a picture of a house standing in the midst of a bunch of rubble. Can you see that clearly? Let me tell you the story of that. Hurricane Michael hit the Florida town of Mexico Beach with incredible power in October of 2018. It was the first Category 5 hurricane in the contiguous or the connected lower 48 states since 1992. It was also the first Category 5 hurricane ever to hit the Florida panhandle and the fourth most powerful hurricane ever in those contiguous 48 United States. After the hurricane had passed, scenes of the devastation appeared in the media, like this. In a beachside neighborhood where Hurricane Michael had turned homes into splintered piles of rubble, one home was still standing tall after the storm. This was the home of LeBron Lackey and his family. We wanted to build it for the big one, he said to the reporter. We just never knew we'd find the big one so fast. That house withstood, withstood one of the most devastating storms ever because of its astounding construction. First, it was situated on concrete pylons that went 40 feet into the ground. That provided an unmovable foundation. Then the entire structure above ground was stabilized by a network of steel cables and rebar throughout the walls and roofing. Amazing stability. And if you can see, I didn't show you the big picture. There's other ones. You can just look this up on uh, Hurricane Michael 2018. It'll show you this. Or look up LeBron Lackey, and it'll show you this. But notice that the one right behind it is still kind of standing. Okay? This should, this, this picture, this image should remind us of the story in Matthew 7 about the two builders, one building on the rock and the other on the sand. But the story also reminds us of our psalm for today. For God is our refuge and strength. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, we will not fear. Because God, not human construction. God, not human effort. God, not human wisdom. God, not human works, is our refuge and strength. Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3 sound like this. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give, gives way and the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. Think on that. If you were in that place, not in that house, when, those, when that Hurricane Michael came, would you have fear? As you look at what's happening in our nation today, do you have fear? It depends, right? Am I inside or outside the one who is my refuge? Because no matter what happens in our world, our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Correct? 
Is our God bigger than our government, bigger than the people who surround us, bigger than our fears? Yes, he is, actually, regardless of what people say. Our God is plenty big to deal with whatever comes our way, including COVID, poor health, broken relationships, an election, anything. It's one thing to say, I believe that. It's another thing to put your trust in that refuge. Have you noticed that? I can say all the right things about God. One of the things that I'm doing with our, Pat and I are trying to do with the students at Concordia is talk them through saving faith. I've done this with you before, but I think it's so important to do this again and again. Okay? Saving faith has three parts. Do you know what those three parts are? One is knowledge. So we have to actually know that there's a God. Does Satan know there's a God? Do the demons know that there's a God? Yes, in order to say there is no God, you actually have to suppress the truth that is evident through natural revelation. Okay, you actually have to suppress the truth. That's what Romans 1 says. Number two, we give our assent so we know there's a God. Only those who would suppress that truth say there is no God. Otherwise, people generally have, an, have some sort of an inkling that something started all this. Okay, the universe just hasn't been here forever. Okay, something started this, and what that something is, we'll call God. Then assent is the second part, where we say what Scripture says about this person who really did live, okay, Jesus, who really did live, perfect life, died, rose again, ascended into heaven. I can say, yes, I give my assent to that. That is true, that happened. That's still not saving faith. Do you know that? That's still not saving faith. There's people who know there's a God and who has sent all that stuff happened. Okay? There's skeptics that look at that and say, yeah, sure, that can happen, but it doesn't matter to me. You see, the third part of saving faith is the essential part as well. We can't have the third part without the first and the second part. So I have to know that there's a God. I have to know that what he's done is he's done what Jesus has done. But the third part is I have to trust it. I have to say that what Jesus has done for me is sufficient to cover all my sins. Do you know that that's a big jump? It's one thing to say that that really happened. It's another thing to say that what, what happened 2,000 years ago matters for me today. And I can live with joy today. And I can have hope today, two days before a big election. No matter who is elected, no matter what happens, I can have joy. I can have hope in the midst of all the craziness, even COVID. I trust. What happened yesterday to me, this is, this is a small deal to you, but a big deal to me. Yesterday what happened is I had some time. I didn't use the time wisely. And usually what happens is I get down on myself and then I start going further, scaling further down. Do you have an issue in your life where when it gets you, it just causes you to spiral further down? That makes sense to you? So, but what happened yesterday was I stopped, said, oh, wait, I have something to say. Went into, God, went into this room said, Dear God, please forgive me for wasting that time which is so precious that I can use to invest in others and love people. And now what I'd like you to do is forgive me for Jesus' sake. Amen. And then I said, Now I've got some words for you, Satan. 
Nice try. That was a good one. You've pushed those buttons before. They've worked almost all the time before. But not today, you see, because Jesus rules. And I want to boast in him. And so you go to hell, stay there, bye. Do you know that that's really good for me to do that? Because it reminds me that Satan hasn't won. So I don't have to go around all sad, all depressed, all look what I failed to do, all of that. You see, God is our refuge against what? Even Satan and his lies. Are you living in the refuge of Jesus when Satan comes to lie to you? This is the least expressive you've ever been. Are you living in the refuge of Jesus when Satan brings his lies to crash in like a hurricane in your life? Are you living safe? Sometimes, trying to, yes, awesome. I just want you to remember, Jesus is better than that house construction. No matter how big Satan's lies are or how heavy they blow against us. When we think of the Reformation, we think of the four solas, grace, faith, scripture, and Christ, all outside of us, all given to us by God for us and for our salvation. What is the trouble we focus on today, our celebration of the Reformation Day? That the church has lost sight of the real Jesus. That's what happened all those years ago, 500 years ago. They lost sight of the real Jesus, the true Jesus, People don't need other people's good works credited to their account. People don't need any indulgences to bring peace between them and God. Romans 5 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. Also, Ephesians 2 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. A problem in Luther's day were those indulgences. Let me pay to get my loved one out of Purgatory. Let me trust in what someone else has done and take their merits for myself. The 16th century reformers rejected traditions made by human beings for the purposes of appeasing God and earning grace. For these, you see, these traditions eliminated the need for the bleeding Savior. That's right. They excluded traditions that were contrary to the gospel and that were contrary to the teachings of the Christian faith. That said, Martin Luther and the Reformers were not anti-tradition. Rather, they intentionally rejected many of the Roman Catholic Church's traditions that obstructed the gospel from reaching the people and wrongfully obscured the word of God. However, we must, I repeat, we must keep in mind that the Reformers did not abolish every single tradition of the time. Why not? Because many of the traditions and ceremonies actually did serve the purpose of teaching people what they needed to know about Jesus. Many of the traditions did lead people to confess their sins and uphold the gospel. These good faith traditions and ceremonies were preserved by the reformers. It would have been foolish to toss these out. For they were noble, good, and true. They served the saints of the church by bringing them to Jesus and his word. And that which I've just given to you is in a book called Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? What I want you to catch is, let's just take something that's, that's done um, how about private confession? 
That's a tradition. Is private, con- is private confession sinful and wrong? No. Not, in the, not in the slightest bit. It's a great way for people to come in with something that's burdening their heart to release that, to share that with someone else and have that person announce forgiveness to them, setting them free, bringing them to Jesus, the one who sets them free. It's a great tradition that we carry on even today. Now, how about the church today? Because we don't deal with indulgences, at least we don't deal here in this place with indulgences or worrying about the merits of the saints being brought to us. We don't worry about those things. What about us today? Well, I found one with the help of a friend through this book I just shared with you. Will the real Jesus please stand up? And, And what that is is ethical hedonism. All about pleasure seeking. And I make my ethical decisions based on whether it gives me pleasure or it leads to pain. And there's all sorts of things we can turn to for pleasure. You know all of them. And then we simply justify the behavior by saying, again, well, it's Jesus. Jesus wants me. And this this is my favorite phrase. You may have even used this before. If Jesus loves me, then his ultimate for me is that his ultimate and his continual is that I'll be happy. Right? If you love me, you want me to be happy. You have two kids. Do you love them? Do you want them to always be happy? Yeah, and so that's what we just put on God, right? We just make Jesus in our image. If we're going to be his, we're going to be happy. If God's looking out for us, we're going to be happy. And you know what makes me happy? Living according to the ways of the world. Not saying no to myself. Egad, that hurts. How about this? I work with college students. At 20 years old, what's happening inside your body? Do you think that at 20 years old, you might not want to stay within God's restraints for you sexually, physically? Is that possible? So we want to do what we want to do because it makes me feel good. I one time heard someone say, well, God wants me to be happy, so therefore I'm going to do this. And it was diametrically opposed to what God's word has to say. Do we ever do that? Do we ever say, yes, I know what God's word has to say. But I'm not interested. Or I don't know what it says. Still not interested. Right? That does happen. It happens to your pastor. I assume it happens to you. We have reasons then to go back to the cross, seek his love, his mercy, his forgiveness, and move on. Because you see, God is our refuge, keeping us safe from the lies that blow all around us in our culture. And those lies are prevalent, aren't they? Let me see. You, you find the spot for me where it says, God wants me to be always happy and get my way. And I'll find the spot for you that says, God wants me to fulfill the great commission and the great commandment, which is to love my neighbor, love God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love my neighbor as myself, and to go and make disciples. Those are in Matthew 28, and then a couple of different places. 
I can't remember the great commandment, but I can find it for you quickly. Where is the God wants me to always be happy and have my own way? So whenever I step out of his desire for us, I'm stepping out of the building. Because I say, I don't want God as my refuge. I'll take care of myself. And do you see the lives all around it? How many of us are dealing with an enemy that's totally infiltrated our lives and is leading us away from Jesus? Can I just ask, does anybody feel a little bit convicted about saying no to God's word? Anybody just a little bit convicted? Okay, if you're a little bit convicted, I have good news for you. Jesus died for that. Jesus' grace is sufficient for that. Jesus is big enough for that. And Jesus says, come unto me. I have one little word subdues that huge wind that Satan is blowing in upon us. That one little word is just any word from Scripture, but how about grace, forgiveness, new creation? Now, we do know that it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Okay? And there's another, there's another paraphrase out there that says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. The world is constantly trying to squeeze us into its mold. That stuff of God, psh, whatever. This is the way you're supposed to live because look, this is much more fun. I have a quote from a, a young man sent this to me. See if I can find it here. He said this, hard times make strong men. Strong men make easy times. Easy times make men make weak men. Weak men make hard times. I wonder where we are in that cycle. Are we living the easy times turning us into weak people? It's possible. Because these weak, these difficult times then will work to make stronger people. But Jesus is at work. And he'd like to work in our lives as we live in the refuge. That is what he is for us. Ethical hedonism enslaves us to Satan lies, wants us to make, make us feel good, instead of living for God's glory, God's grace, not our pleasure. Psalm 46 6 through 10 goes on to say this. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. In other words, it's saying the almighty God is with us. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So instead of our taking time to exalt the ways of the world and the wisdom of the world, we want to be still and remember that he is the almighty, powerful God. We have a video clip for this. You've seen it before. Can you turn the, power, uh, the sound on? Enough! You are all of you beneath me. I am a god, you dull creature. And I will not be bullied by him.
God. My favorite thing out of the Avengers, okay? The one, the small guy that just got the tar beat out of him, okay? He, he says, y'all are beneath me. I am a God. And then the Hulk grabs him and beats the crap out of him and says, puny God. Okay? So my favorite, because our God is the God of hosts, the God of armies, way bigger than the Hulk. And we say, it should go our way. And sometimes he's like, you're going to get it now? But what I want you to picture is Satan and his lies are Loki, the other guy. And Jesus comes along and does that to him. And do you know how Jesus did that to him? We want Jesus to be Rocky. We want Jesus to be Rambo. Jesus comes as a sheep. That just doesn't work for us. We want Jesus to be rocky, to call us to be rocky-like. Jesus is a sheep who would lay down his life for you and for me so that we might then find our lives, our sheepy lives, inside his. And he might be that strong shepherd to guide us, to guard us, to protect us, to be our refuge, to fight for us as we depend completely on him. Grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, scripture alone, not the world and all it has. Amen?